a questioning mind is a sign of a mind that is awake and that takes this stuff seriously because they want to know how they can follow it. Welcome, everybody, to yet another episode of Every Knee Shall Bow, a weekly podcast that's all about Catholics getting out and evangelizing their neighbors. My name is Mike Gormley, and I'm joined, as always, by my illustrious co-host, David. I'm just winging it, Van Vickle. How you doing, David? I'm good, and I'm not just winging it. I'm ready. I'm ready for today. Hey, man, I just you're more prepared than I am, number one. <laughs> but number two, uh, my favorite thing about this podcast is coming up with nicknames. I know, and it's it makes me nervous every time we start. Yeah, me too. Me yeah, too. Nice. <laughs> so what do we got for the kids today? Yeah, I'm, I'm more excited about today's episode because um, we're, I like doing this. I like doing, we're going to do some quick takes here on just different things going on in evangelization. We're going to take some questions. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, I think Gomer's going to give you a book suggestion. I'm going to give you a book suggestion. Just some quick things. So we don't have a, a, a set topic that we're going to try and dig into deeply, but we're going to go through a lot of things briefly. And I think uh, you'll get a lot of benefit out of it. But we have some really great. Uh, I got some really great listener feedback and some questions this week. So uh, let's let's dig into these big time. Let's dive in, man. Okay, so the first one is from a lay person uh, in Alabama, and uh, they've been at their parish their whole life. And she says she really wants to evangelize, and her parish is filled with great people, but they just don't do any kind of adult faith formation or, or evangelization. And she's kind of approached her pastor about things, and he just has no interest whatsoever in in evangelizing or in doing any programs or anything like that. And she's wondering what she can do to really, you know, uh, to join in this movement of, of evangelization. What, what would you say? Oh, man, that is such a great question. Well, number one, uh, you don't need a priest's permission to engage in evangelization. Exactly. Okay. Uh, you don't at all in any way, shape, or form. Your vocation as a layperson. I would encourage you to read Christe Fidei's Laici. Uh, that's Pope John Paul's encyclical on uh, or apostolic exhortation on uh, on the lay mission and vocation. So, what does it mean to be a layperson? Well, it means that we have a secular character. That is, we are in the world. We don't have an ecclesial ministry. Okay, but it also means that we are priest, prophet, and king by virtue of our baptism and confirmation, incorporated into Christ. And you have a mission by just being a layperson. It is defined by your secular character, your realms of influence. And so what Jesus Christ wants you to do is to proclaim it. In fact, to not proclaim Jesus Christ and to wait for the priest to do it is a fundamental corruption of your baptismal dignity, that Christ is inviting you in on this mission. You don't need anyone's permission. Now, don't use the word Catholic because then you need your local ordinary's permission. But right. I would just say, if you're just have a group of people where you come together and you pray together and then you go do an evangelizing activity. That's You don't need anything else other than that. In fact, the right. Code of Canon Law, when it talks about the rights and duties of lay people, the very first thing is our um, right and duty to proclaim the kingdom. So don't let a lack of programs or priestly initiative um, be the thing that holds you back. In fact, I would say this day and age, it is the laity that are leading the clergy when it comes to the realm of proclamation, invitation, uh, and, and stuff like that. As it, Absolutely. Honestly, as it should be, we're in the right. world. That's our goal. Right. What do you think, Dave? Yeah. I, so, well, the first thing I want to point out is what Gomer said. You already have permission canonically by church law, Canon 211, 
and I'm going to quote here. It says, all the Christian faithful have the duty and right to work so that the divine message of salvation more and more reaches all people in every age and in every land. And in Canon 215, it says the Christian faithful are at liberty freely to found and direct associations for purposes of charity or piety or the promotion of the Christian vocation in the world and to hold meetings for the common pursuit of these purposes. So absolutely, you are you already have the permission of the church to do this. Uh, you do not need permission. Now, what Gomer said is true. The different titles you're going to use, then you're going to run into problems, but don't worry about that. The second thing I would say is this. It's time to really double down on prayer for your pastor because imagine, imagine what it's like, brothers and sisters out there, to be a man of the church, a priest, and to not be interested in any kind of faith formation or evangelization. It, it would be very much like being a part of a family and not feeling like you're part of that family because the mission of the church is to evangelize. Why is this son of the church not interested in what his mother wants for him and what is supposed to do for him? So this is something you really need to start praying for that. And the other thing is, I would say, um, you know, don't, don't, you don't have to associate evangelization with the church, with the parish, you know, do something in your house. I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, it will be more effective than if you were to do something at the parish, do something at your house. Uh, and it, it's going to be, it's going to be great and it'll grow into something. And who knows, God might be calling that just because of the different flack you'll get at the parish it might be calling you out into your home to, to do something. So, uh, pray, pray, pray for that man, because, uh, this is what a priest should be doing. It's it's their responsibility, and unfortunately, uh, this this man obviously is either uncomfortable with it, he he's in over his head, or uh, maybe he's just kind of given up and resigned to what what's going on in his parish. But you got to pray for him. Yeah, uh, chapter three of Chris Safeday's Lady says the lay faithful, precisely because they are members of the church, have the vocation and mission of proclaiming the gospel. They are prepared for this work by the sacraments of Christian initiation and by the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So as someone who works at a parish in adult faith formation, um, at my church, we have literally dozens of programs, dozens, plural, right. <laughs> of programs um, for adult formation. We have probably about 12 Bible studies in a year. Um, some of those Bible studies are year-long courses, everything from Ascension Press. We do the Bible timeline and all these different things. Great places to start. This Lent, invite people over to your home and do the streaming of Dr. Shree's new videos on the passion like there's a lot of stuff there that you can do but in terms of evangelization you don't need anyone's permission nope. no one does you don't have to come to me so uh, nothing would make me happier than a parishioner coming to me saying hey i want to start this thing in my house could you right. publish it in the bulletin right i'd be like yes yes right. and i will give you a big hug because <laughs> now see the funny thing is your pastor not having anything in adult formation is a failure in his part right and I don't know the extenuating circumstances, but to to assume adults are formed in the faith has got to be the biggest right. conceit. Like, right. that's ridiculous. And so this is why the lay people are going everywhere else in order to be fed. They're going online. They're going to you know bookstores or whatever. So uh, I would encourage you to keep up reading, especially a book like um, The Life of Christ by Fulton Sheen or To Know Christ Jesus by Frank Sheed. Good places to start. Yeah, I think one of the one of the things that Gomer just said is important too. Like you know, for church nerds like us, yeah, we we want to really be able to measure it, if what we're doing is effective. And right now, it's almost impossible to measure 
evangelization in parishes because what happens is if a church starts doing good things, what good Catholics flock to those churches. So they naturally start to grow. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you're meeting non-believers in your parish and bringing them to Jesus into the church. Uh, so it's hard to judge like, you know, what you're doing well, because what you'll see is if you start to put good things on, just really great, already committed and won over Catholics are going to flock to that because they yeah. want to be fed. So it's, it's, it's hard. It's, I've, I've always found it difficult to understand, you know, where our success is, you know? Right. It, that's very true. And in, in Protestant worlds, they call that swelling instead of growing. Oh, cool. You just pull okay. churches from other churches. Uh, okay. Like, yeah, you might have 500 adults in your various programs, but all of them are from different parishes or from your own already. Right. And I will say this though, all the money is in, uh, catechesis and not in evangelization when it comes to program. Right. Right. So the program, if you want a prepackaged program to quote unquote do, right. that is all, all of that is what we call in using the focus model of win, build, send. It's all build. It's all people who are already committed or love their faith or want to know more. It's not really for people who don't know if they believe. Why? Because that's basically the realm of books. If you want that type of thing, the win stage instead of the build or send stage, you're just going to have to buy a book about Jesus, right? right? Because it's hard to sell a curriculum other than Alpha, and there's Discover Christ and Christ's Life. Um, it's hard to sell a curriculum to people who don't know that they want Jesus, <laughs> you know? So it's, right. so that that's where some of this stuff becomes a little bit difficult. But if you want to do something in your home, Ascension Press has got a deal for you. Oh, yeah, a million different awesome stuff. Or, or Dave, I was being more selfish here. Dave, this is where you support me. And the thing oh, right. that I did. For right. There's this really cool community one <laughs> that there's a, a super handsome host. <laughs> Go on. Just kidding. No. He's not handsome at yeah, all. Yeah, that's true. The very first series, I have a series called Radical Communities at Ascension Press. The very first series is totally free. It's four episodes. Do it over four weeks. And it's just centered around community and Christ. And it's like, this is how you build a in-home group. You don't need anyone's permission to do it. You just go on to Ascension. Now, it's all digital. Um, there's a little PDF for the actual uh, uh, how you run the group that's within each video page. And so you just go and watch the videos and do the the little work, the PDF. You pray with each other. You talk about it, discuss it. And that can help you do a home, a good home formation. So buy my book. Right. Yeah. And it, a quick tip for people who are professional church workers, uh, just just buy everything Ascension has, okay? I, I, honestly, I, I did this, so I'm not I'm not just like saying because this is an Ascension podcast, but have it there and just say to people, look, this is a library you can take from and bring it to your house and, and host groups. I did this because what you're going to see is there's just a million different things you need to do around your parish to, to, to create a culture of evangelization. And so if there are people who are already ready to do some faith formation, ready to do it on their own, just give them the equipment to do it. It's the same thing with formed or any of these other things. Just flood the place with what they need so that they can run on their own um, because it's going to start to create uh, all kinds of, you know, uh, lifelong disciples without you yeah. even knowing it. So it's, it's a, that's a great yep. thing to do. All right. What do we got next, Dave? Okay. So the next question is, uh, you know, something that we're probably going to have to do so many episodes on, but uh, again, it's about our children. Okay. And this, this woman writes in, she says she has three children. Uh, none of them are, are what she would consider truly evangelized, except for her oldest daughter who left the church and found Jesus in the evangelical world, which is a co pretty common 
thing that happens now, right? Is that people say they find Jesus in, in an evangelical church and she's uncomfortable with it, but her friends are saying, Hey, at least she found a relationship with the Lord. You know, her other son is in college and has no faith at all. And her youngest son uh, is in high school and has no faith at all. And is starting to question things like, does God exist? And, and, and all these big questions that, you know, you, you, you have when you're, when you're young like that. Um, what, you know, she just wants some thoughts on evangelizing your children, especially when they're grown and uh, pretty much, you know, are not under your control anymore. Uh, and also this whole situation with their daughter. Um, and I, I would say in the situation with your daughter, I would in a sense agree with your, her friends, your friends, right? Thank God she found Jesus. Thank God she has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's the issue. We, we didn't, obviously communicate that you could have that relationship inside the Catholic church. And that's your job now is to kind of communicate the fact that the fullness of that relationship uh, exists uh, in the Catholic church. And if she can understand and, and kind of even remember things like the mass and the sacraments and the reason why the church has these physical signs, you know, of God's grace, uh, I'm sure she's going to start to, to come around. But again, don't panic. You don't, it's not time to argue or anything like that. Be happy that she has a relationship with Jesus. Gomer, what are your thoughts? You know, I think it was it was either Jeff Cavins or Scott Hahn. It might have been Scott Hahn who said the Catholics who convert to Protestantism hate their Catholic upbringing because they didn't have Christ. Protestants who become Catholic love their Protestant upbringing because at least they had Christ, right? And so one of the things that we're discovering is uh, a church like ours that is very liturgical and not free form non denom right can often uh create unless the priest is very intentional about this can often create halfway houses to faith like it has all the trappings and the externals of faith but without actually desiring a faith commitment from each individual person right so what this looks like is well you were raised catholic you were baptized catholic you've been sacramentalized but we've never evangelized you we've never actually proposed the gospel you have never actually given your heart over to Jesus Christ, okay? You've never surrendered in trust, which is the act of faith. You've just been brought up. This is cultural just as much as it is, uh, you know, spiritual or whatever. And so the idea behind this is so many Catholics are able to go to Mass thinking they are by that they are doing the right rituals and therefore will earn their way to heaven or whatever it is. And they miss out on the person of Jesus Christ. I mean, I had someone who was uh, went to Mass every Sunday, decent church, not a heretical church at all, and he just ha had no understanding of the very basics of Christ, like that he died on the cross. I thought he like I thought he fell asleep or passed out and woke up three days later, and you're like, right. oh my gosh, how did you get this, right? Um, so the idea of presuming that Catholics just get this by osmosis or that catechesis in the 1990s was so wonderful when they were in second grade that they have this perfect understanding it's just no so um it is good that she has christ and that she's putting christ at the center of her life life uh, through your witness she will see how the catholic church if you read pope john paul ii which i encourage everyone to do does the same you need to have a you need to surrender and have a lifelong commitment and total adherence to jesus christ right? That is what you need to do individually as well as in the life of the church. And so, um, so for her eldest daughter, I would say, 
don't be so scared. At, you know, she does have Christ. Right. That is a good thing. She's still worshiping and honoring and giving glory to Jesus Christ. Now, the other two, I would say, please remember that questioning things is a sign, is not necessarily a sign of a lack of faith. Right. Now, they might be a teenager and all their friends are non-religious or anti-religious or whatever, right. and so they're kind of getting caught up in that. But to remember that asking questions is a work of the Holy Spirit or at least an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to intervene in powerful ways. I tell every RCIA person, um, a, a questioning mind is a sign of a mind that is awake and that takes this stuff seriously because they want to know how they can follow it. And so... I said that to this one woman, and afterwards, after she became Catholic, she said that was the thing that made me Catholic. I was like, really? Why? And she said she was a raised a Southern Baptist, did some weird Christian fanatical weird what? thing. What? Wow. Um, became a, a Sunni Muslim for years and then converted to Catholicism. Yeah. And then she said all of those other places, the Christian and the Muslim ones, they all uh, told me whenever I had questions that that was a sign of my lack of faith. And you literally said the opposite. Right? Faith and reason, baby. So your high school student, where he's struggling, those are opportunities for divine grace. That is not something to be afraid of. Maybe you need to enlist other people's support, but that's not something to be afraid of. Your college student, uh, your college student, he's lost. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you need to find out what his objections are. You don't need to preach, but you can say, like, listen, Jesus Christ is real, and you are literally insane if you reject him. <laughs> you know, you can be provocative. Uh, you, I mean, not rude, but you can be provocative. You can engage him where he's at as long as you have the resources to kind of back it up i mean he's your kid but now he's an adult he's on his own he is uh a lost brother that needs the prayers and fastings and um charitable engagements to bring him back absolutely i think you know with children you go back to the universal principles of evangelization listen 95 percent and speak five percent right you're making sure you're listening 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 I think for kids in particular, what I've seen lately is you you're, you don't want to bite on any kind of like zingers they're throwing out, right? Well, I heard the church does this. I heard that don't bite on any of that stuff because what you want to do is just be open to what they have to say and wait for that moment when those questions become extremely sincere and then you'll be ready. And the, the nice thing about this is we live in a broken world and I'm not saying that this is a a good news thing, like it's happy, happy, joy, joy, but people, people run into problems and issues. And oftentimes that's when they're the most open. And so be ready, you know, for your, your daughter and your sons, uh, when they experience the harder parts of life and come to you for advice and things like that, that's when you have to show that, look, what got me through these times was my faith. Uh, and remember, listen, 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 Talk just a little bit, right? And let the Holy Spirit do it. Be patient because God loves them more than you do. Okay, last question. And this is my, this, I'm excited about this one, okay? Because I think this is an issue in the church in America that is not, it's not being met yet, okay? This is not being met yet. So a DRE from a diocese that shall remain nameless, okay, contacted me and said, look, I've been a DRE for a long time and I have not done any evangelizing. I just kind of was swept up into the culture of religious education, which is a thing that happens to all of us. Okay. And yeah, it's, I mean, this is a real thing out there. It's, it's, that's why this is kind of like a oh, war, yeah. right? This is, this is a battle. Um, and what she said is, you know, I, I never really did any real evangelization. And now I'm at a parish that's pretty poor. I'm the only staff member that's interested in evangelization. I want to do something 
what can I do? And and uh, and I want to. I'm not adding to her question, but I want to set up this scenario a little bit more clearly for our listeners. You know, there are lots of awesome parish movements, parish evangelization movements out there right now. There are a lot of good ones, but most of them take a substantial amount of resources, right? If you want to do something like Amazing Parish, uh, something like if you're interested in the rebuilt model, something like Divine Renovation, a lot of those take a, a substantial amount of resources. You need pastors to buy in. You need uh, tons of volunteers. You're probably going to need some money for the for the different programs that you're going to put on. Uh, uh, it, training, uh, sometimes, you know, all kinds of consulting, sometimes, you name it. So we are not meeting the needs of the vast majority of these small parishes that just don't have that, just do not have that. So uh, we want to answer this question because I think it's really important. And, and I, I I really do feel for for this uh, this poor DRE because I, I've been in this situation before. Gomer, what are your thoughts first? Well, number one, I do want to say it is so easy just to fall into the catechesis game and, it and ignore it uh, because all the money is in build. All the money is in catechesis right. because you already have the committed audience there. They want to be fed. They want to know more. And so if you're going to go deeper, you kind of have to get creative with this. I am looking at hopefully trying to create a whole series, um, uh, a YouTube series that's basically my RCIA class, but for free out on YouTube. Uh, my goal being that um, I can eventually turn them into DVDs and sell them in Texas prisons. Or not sell them, but distribute them <laughs> in Texas prisons. Um for a part of their formation and whatnot. But um, uh, honestly, if you want if you want to dive into evangelization, I mean, one of the things that you could do is get a group of people together and listen to the show and do the take fives and hold each other accountable. Don't think of it as like a program, but think of it as a start. You can get people and just, I would say there are so many free resources on YouTube and podcasts alone plus radical communities by my book um, that you can, you really can do this. Like you really can get started for free. There's also um, reading something like uh, Jesus uh, redeemer of man. What a redemptory hominus. What am I saying that right? Redemptories. Redemptories. Missio. Redemptor. Well, that's mission of the redeemer, the redeemer of man. Yeah. Redemptories. Hum, yeah. The one redeemer of man by Pope John Paul II. Um if you read that, right, you can sit there and he just talks about who Jesus the Redeemer is as our Savior, right? That is a beautiful place to start, I think. Yeah, I think that's great. I think what Gomer's saying is start small and things start to happen. What what we see is naturally uh, the world is craving the gospel, okay? And so when you start doing small things well, uh, it really starts to change a culture. Some big things you can do, though— to change the culture at large is to say in the next year or even two years, all I'm going to try and do is change the people who are already volunteering at the parish. So, right. So I would say immediately, see if you can get a meeting with Eucharistic ministers, see if you can get a meeting with uh, ushers, make sure your catechists, right. Are understanding and just have this discussion with them about how to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Now you could get right into the catechesis part of it and and make sure that you're guiding the conversation back to more evangelization, or you could literally say for the next two years in this parish we're just going to talk about what it means to evangelize. And you could do something like get Sherry's Wood- Sherry Waddell's book, you know, uh, forming intentional disciples. Uh, 
just what you want to do is start these conversations with the people who are already volunteering and start to make some headway with the people who are there and set really small manageable goals. And what you'll see is that the slower you go, it seems like the faster the parish changes. Um, go small and remember intercessory prayer is first. So find the people, the old ladies in the back of the church who pray their rosary constantly, find them and get them to start praying for evangelization, for conversions at your parish. That's a really great, great place to start. And honestly, if in two years you've pushed the, you know, pushed the, the chess pieces around so that everybody who volunteers at the parish knows that a parish is for evangelization, is for introducing to people to Jesus Christ, that's a major victory, a major victory. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that intimidates us from action is thinking like, oh, I got to do the big program. Right. You don't. So one of the things I did was called the Start Here series. I love this. And I took a topic. Uh, I took one topic and divided it into three one-hour classes and just did those classes once a week because we had a big problem with people being able to commit. And so what we did was, you know, people could commit for an hour. And I said, and you can leave right after the hour or stay for questions. And questions will be 30 minutes. So at 7.15 on Tuesday nights or whatever, I did a Start Here series on prayer. The step one was pure evangelization as it relates to prayer. Two was the basics on how to pray. Three was what to do practically next. And you just do stuff like that, like Jesus, God, faith, reason, you know, whatever. So now I have a master's in theology and a background in philosophy and theology. So stuff like that is right in my wheelhouse. That might not be in your wheelhouse. You might prefer to do the catechetical model or whatever. But you don't have to do big things because I'll tell you, the people that came to my faith and reason, there were four adults, but not a single one of them had ever been to an adult faith formation class before. Right. Okay. So there is a lot of programs I think people want, you know, I want to fill a classroom. You don't have to. Right. Start with five or six people. Have that be your goal and do some personal discipleship, like reading Redeemer of Man or reading um, uh, any of the like the focus focus uh, fellowship of Catholic University students. They have three books that are really good starter books. There's one on salvation history. There's one on found uh, fundamentals and there's one or foundations for living. I think it's called. Um, they have these books that are just like really great starting points. It's the Bible studies that the college students use when they're college missionary use when they're evangelizing the students. And so um, they're great. There's a lot of resources out there that are fairly cheap right, or free. Right. You could take the catechism, okay, and just focus on certain parts of the catechism, like the necessity of faith in the very first part, the stuff that we've talked about. Paragraph one is one of the most beautiful paragraphs in the entire catechism. So there is a lot of good stuff out there for free or for cheap that you can start with. But make sure you get started with prayer. I, I and I can't stress enough, do less things better, right? Don't don't try and do it all at once. Do less things better because uh sometimes even just one really great program will change the culture of a parish. This is why so many parishes in the 90s started evangelizing because Life Teen started to effectively evangelize youth. And the parish got excited about evangelization, right? And so more and more parents would want to be involved with the life team, more and more with the life team programs, more and more, you know, parishioners want to be involved and it would kind of like spill over into the entire parish. So doing something really well will, will effectively change a parish culture and things will start to happen and, and just take it one step at a time. Absolutely. So when we come back, we're going to do our take fives, five practical takeaways, how you can carry this on into your daily life. Um, also, I want to remind you, you can shoot us an email. Today's kind of been our 
catching up on some listener questions that we have out there, email us at everyneeshallbow at ascensionpress.com or our shortened form, EKSB at ascensionpress.com. Me and Dave would love to hear from you, love uh, to communicate with you more when we get back. Reading the Bible is something we as Catholics know we should do, but let's be honest, it can be kind of complicated. Even though it's a complete story, the Bible isn't really one book. It's more like a library with dozens of books and dozens of genres. There's poetry, prophecy, and prose. There are apocalypses and revelations, historical accounts and allegories. No wonder it's difficult to keep a finger on the story of God's love and plan of salvation for his people the thread that keeps all of it together. If you're wishing there was a simple guide to help you tie all of this together, then you're just like Jeff Cavins and Tim Gray. That's why they wrote the book, Walking with God. Walking with God is a single book that traces the story that ties the Bible together. It helps you to understand the big picture of the Bible. If you're looking to read more of the Bible, Walking with God will help you do it with confidence, peace, and clarity. You can find out more and order Walking with God on ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. All right, and we're back to Every Knee Shall Bow. Hope you had a nice break there, and uh, I hope you can support our friends at Ascension Press. They have such a wonderful ministry in the church, and uh, so important. They've been doing this for a long time, really trying to communicate the faith to people, and we are honored to be a part of that organization. Again, uh, we want to hear from you guys. You know, We want this to be, as I keep saying over and over again, a community of evangelists. So please email us, eksb at ascensionpress.com. Uh, and also, please, if you like this, if you're benefiting from it, uh, I was just at a conference last weekend and probably 30 people came up to me and said, oh, I love your podcast and I'm so excited and it's really been helping. And then uh, they and then they'd say something in passing like, I still haven't done a rating, but I'm gonna. OK, so if you're one of those people, we'd ask that you'd give us a rating on iTunes or whatever you listen to your podcast on. That would be so helpful. And now for the big show here. When the rubber hits the road, Gomer, five practical oh. takeaways, five practical takeaways. But I want to live in the clouds, Dave. <laughs> I want to live in the clouds. <laughs> All right. This can't just be theoretical. Uh, remember, we're going to go back to the basics. Every week we try and have something centered around kerygma, community, intercessory prayer, uh, some some spiritual growth or intellectual growth, uh, but things that are going to help us practically evangelize in this coming week to be better evangelists, better communicators of Jesus Christ. So number one, we're going back to the basics here. Remember the episode on the kerygma, okay? And you've left it. We've left it behind for a little bit. What I want you to do is uh, dust off the cobwebs there, get out your notebook that you've been using, your journal for evangelization, and I want you to go back and see if from memory you can write the steps of the kerygma, okay? Write the steps of the kerygma. Now, don't look it up. Don't give yourself a cheat. Just do your best to, to think of the story of Jesus Christ and write down that basic gospel message just for a little quiz. Once you're done, then you're going to go and review and make sure you got it all. And it's always a good thing to refresh yourself on. I do it all the time. Truly, I do it all the time. Yeah, I'm going to say for community, what y'all need to do is something very simple. Uh, call your friends uh, at the church or wherever and say, hey, let's go out for drinks. You know, do some social call. Let's go out for drinks. But beforehand, let's do 20 minutes of adoration. 
go to adoration and drinks. I'm going to tell you why that's awesome. Because grounding people, giving people an opportunity to recover their faith and uh, in a communal setting is very, very powerful. But going to church in the adder, if you guys have adoration or if you have um, just sitting in front of the tabernacle or whatever, it can be very powerful for some people because they've never stepped into a church outside of Sundays. And so this can just be a bridge builder for that. So meet up for adoration and go out for drinks afterwards or go see Captain Marvel or something That's or awesome. how to train your dragon three. That's awesome. I'm excited for that homework. Uh, okay. Number, f- number three here. We want, I want you to read something. Okay. And uh, it's, it's extremely inexpensive book because I think probably dynamic Catholic picked it up or something. So all of a sudden it's super cheap. Uh, last week, and I had the honor of speaking at a conference with Dr. Peter Kreeft, who is, uh, how to describe him in so many words, probably one of the people who it was a stalwart culture warrior for the Catholic Church in the last, you know, uh, 40 years, has been just been a, a, a defender of truth, a defender of uh, logic, a defender, you know, of of what it means to be a, a truly intellectual Catholic and to really wrestle with all the issues that our our church presents to us. And and uh, he's a philosopher at Boston College and is well known. He's written hundreds of books. Uh, one of his first books is called Jesus Shock. Jesus Shock. Okay, and um, it is like a basic, uh, you know, it's like using the Socratic method for evangelization, you know, asking questions. And he wrestles with the whole question that we all wrestle with. Is Jesus a liar? Is he a lunatic? Or is he Lord? Uh, And this book is really excellent, not just uh, for yourself, but it's a great way for evangelists to kind of look at what it means to have a conversation about who Jesus is and the person of Jesus Christ and what he can do and what he he claims to be and what he really is and all these things. Uh, Jesus Shock by Dr. Peter Kreeft, I think I literally think you can get it for five dollars. Five dollars. So that's it's pretty reasonable. Yeah, awesome. Um, for intercession, what I want you to do is to pray a decade of the rosary every day for the conversion of our clergy. I think that speaks for itself. And number five, uh, if you're listening to these episodes weekly and you've been with us from the beginning, then you know Lent is coming. Ash Wednesday is a coming. And uh, if you're anything like me, you kind of look forward to Lent because you need a time to refocus throughout the year. And evangelists are the same way. So what I want you to do is I don't want Ash Wednesday to pass you by. It's done that to me so many times. Have you had that experience, Gomer, where it's like, oh, all the you know, oh my goodness, it's already Ash Wednesday. Right. And, or like a week into Lent and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing for Lent, right? Don't let that happen, okay? Lent is a especially graced time in the church when we can really grow in our relationship with God, strip away what's not of him and let him fill us completely. So take a, an hour or so over the next week and really prayerfully consider not necessarily what you want out of Lent, but God, what do you want out of me this Lent? And and that's it. This is an easy, this is really easy exercise. But again, uh, being an evangelist is about communicating Jesus Christ. And if we have a good Lent, necessarily, he must increase and we must decrease and we will communicate him more clearly. That's awesome, man. If you need some help with Lent, go to ap.church slash recenter. It's a thing I'm doing for my parish, and uh, it's just super easy. Anyone can do it, and it's just to help put Christ through the traditional practices of fasting, almsgiving, and uh, prayer by putting Christ back in the center of your life. So there's all sorts of amazing stuff 
that you can do this Lent to put Christ in the center. So thank you yet again, Dave Van Vickle, for being here. You uh, didn't seem like you were just winging it today. It seems like you were studied and prepared. Yeah, maybe your name was wrong. Oh, dang it. I think you're right. All righty, guys. Uh, remember, every knee shall bow at ascensionpress.com or EKSB at ascensionpress.com. We will be around next week to talk more about evangelization. God bless.